Hey everyone, welcome back to Barrel Surf Podcast. Namu here with you and this week we have one of our good friends, Trev Lawrence-Brown joining us. He is the physio at the Wazzle these days, doing some great things, helping the surfers out, getting them back in the water or ready to go out for their heats. So we get some good insight from Trev. We also have WSL judge Mickey Plowman. He helped out the WSL with all of the priority calls at the recent Margaret River competition. So we get a bit of insight from him as well. All good stuff. And we even have Renato Hickel calling in with a bit bit of information about how they determined the wild cards and so forth. So jump in. Hope you enjoy. Now it's on with the show. Hey, I'm John from Florence and you're listening to Barreled Surf Podcast. Ads Kennedy, I believe you are rocking a brand new wetsuit, mate. Tell us all about it. Well, winter's coming. Time to get our weddies out here in the southwest. Got the Shark Eyes wetsuit, mate. They have been putting a lot of effort in recently into improving their product, and I've had a few surfs in it, mate. It's fucking unreal. Super warm, smooth as silk, stretchy, easy to get in and out. Shark Eyes Weddies, get behind him. He's an absolute waterman of the highest order. The guy who created it, Shark Eyes Shannon Weddies. Worrell. Fucking sick, mate. Get, get amongst it. One question before we do finish this one. Is this the best wetsuit you've ever owned? Yes, it is. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. It's Kennedy. What beer are you drinking this afternoon, my friend? He's walking over past the Sandman. We're in the shed quarters. He's opened up his outside fridge and he is reaching for some sort of delicious cheeky monkey. What sort of beer has he got in his hands this time? Oh my God, it's a double IPA. Oh no, it's not. It's a West Coast IPA. Cheeky monkey, West Coast IPA. Tell us all about it, Adzi. Mate, West Coast IPA, six and a half percent. It's a bloody ripper. It's where it all began for me in the cheeky monkey journey and, uh, I've been around the sun and uh, I'm back on it. It's beautiful. So crack a cheeky monkey beer. What, 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 Tell you what, Adzi, with this wild, wet and woolly winds, windy weather that we've got at the moment, I do enjoy drinking myself a glass of red wine. Do you enjoy a red wine yourself, Ads Kennedy? What What do you think, mate? Mate, love the Forrester Estate, Home Block Shiraz 2021. It's an absolute ripper. Comes in a black bottle with gold trimmings. Looks fancy, tastes fancy, and they're sponsoring the Margaret River Pro this year. They're on board, so if you're down there, make sure you get a glass. And uh, they're also inking a little bit of sponsorship with Surfing WA. So looks like they're really getting involved in the surf scene. Get into some Forrester Estate. Hey, yo, troop level up. What's up, Woolly Mammoth? See all these fly homies out here? How's your health at the moment, Adzi? I know that I've been jumping in the AG1 program, the Athletic Greens. Have you been uh, on the Athletic Greens? I did, mate. I was ripping into them, went to Bali for a couple of weeks. Nice. And found it was a good little routine. Wake up, do the dawny, Athletic Greens in the dunny. So the family didn't wake the family up, not with dunny water, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't have mattered. Still would have tasted good. Yeah, so that was my little routine, dawny. Athletic greens, paddle out, surf for two and a half, three hours, and then come back and spend the rest of the day with the family. It was a good good way to start your day. Sick effort, mate. And uh, don't forget to go to athletic greens forward slash barrel. Barrel surf podcast. 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 Yeehaw!
Friday. We got the Friday vibes happening in the shed quarters. Namu here, and I am absolutely stoked to be back in Adzi's shed. And we are going to record hopefully a pretty good podcast today. But we do have some special guests, which I'm going to introduce shortly. But Timon writes, T-Bone Tyron. Hello, buddy. G'day, Namu. Good to be back. It's yeah, Friday. Mate. It's offshore. It's been some pumping waves. With this new coffee stout that Adzi's brought in today from Cheeky Monkey. Yeah, good on you, Cheeky Monkey. And uh, as usual, we do have Ads Kennedy in the shed quarters as well, but I don't know if he's there. Oh, hello, oh I am. Mate. I'm just doing a bit of roadie work, getting yeah, okay. ready for our special guests. Mate, you actually put a bit of black on and actually you got the stomach for it. You don't don't look too dissimilar to a roadie, Adzi, so well done, mate. I've got a good head for a roadie. <laughs> I think we all do. Now, we do have two special guests with us. One of them has arrived already, and this guy needs no introduction if you've been listening to the podcast for a while. He is an absolute frother of the highest order, loves his backhand tube riding, has just been on board with the WSL, doing some judging and helping out the Wazzle with the, I think, the priority, if I'm not mistaken. And he's also one of the best judges in surfing in Western Australia. Welcome back to Barrel Podcast, Mickey Plowman. Hello, mates. Hey, Namu. Thanks, mate. Good to be back here with you guys. Good you. to see you, T-Bone and Adzi. Thanks for having yeah. us on again, guys. Anytime, big fella. Yeah, Mickey Plow. Definitely. Good to, uh, good to see you, mate. So he's not even the silent member, fourth silent member. He's somewhere in between. He's just a quasi-member, host, quasi-host, isn't he? Yeah, I, like, a, I like to think of him as part of the team. He is. He does a lot Does a lot of research behind the scenes. He does. It's, you know, he's always trying to hook us up with interviews. He was responsible for getting Stomper to come in the shed. He's always trying to line something up, so... Yes, welcome back, Mickey Plough. Long overdue. Yeah, well, we do we do like to say with certain people are friends of the podcast. I don't think that Mickey is a friend of the podcast. He's well, well beyond that level. He's like a girlfriend of the podcast. He's a bit closer. <laughs> so if we're the Beatles, he might be Yoko Ono. Oh, controversial. <laughs> Not really. You're more, uh, what's her name, McCartney? Linda McCartney. <laughs> the, ve- the vegan member. <laughs> He is very fit. There's nothing wrong with being a vegan. I eat vegetarian most of the time. Anyway, so Mickey, we've just wrapped up the Margaret River Pro. What an event. I mean, seriously, the waves cooked. We had a little, a few little onshore days in the middle, but generally the waves were sick. The surfing was amazing. Tell me how you saw it, mate. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome, guys. Fantastic event, yeah. And uh, yeah, even the guys on WSL are calling it the best event of the year so far. I think it's the first event all year. They were actually able to get off on day one. So as soon as the waiting period started, they've just had a horrible run this year. Every single event they've had, it's pumped the week before they've got there. And yeah, and they've kind of got a little bit, yeah, had a bit of a bad run. They might have one or two good days. I think they had one good day at Portugal, oh, one good been, day at Pipe. Yeah, they've been good, skunked. There's no no yeah. doubt about that. So that they were really stoked. It was a blessed event. Um, yeah, like it was incredible, guys. Like there's 70 heats in the entire event. And after the first three or four days, we'd knocked off 60 of those heats. So wow. when it started raining and we had a few onshore days, we only had 10 heats to go with a week of the waiting period to go. So we're absolutely wrapped. Question, Mickey. Yeah, will the ranch, will the Surf Ranch Pro kick off day one? I'm pretty confident <laughs> it will. And it's actually pretty funny, actually, because, yeah, I caught up with a couple of the guys and they all actually had to get, with a Surf Ranch, they can obviously get pre, well, free surfs before just to get warmed up and all that. And the way they are doing it, I found out, is by their seed. So if you're in 1 to 12, you were, sorry, if you were 
24 to, to 13, you'd be on the first day. And then mm. the second day of warm up period was the one to 12. So that's how they're working out their warm ups. And I believe they get something like six waves. So each, each way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm presuming it'd be three left. I and thought three the top rights. dogs would get more waves and you know, the bottom dogs, you know, get fucking couple. Yeah. So that's how they they're get kind three of lefts, out. three rights. And Kelly Slater gets 30 lefts and three rights. <laughs> Still won't make it through. No. So Mickey, from where you were sitting, so just talk us through your role at the, at the event, mate. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really fortunate. So since it's become a WCT-rated event, I've been able to work in the judging tower as a spotter So and also assisting with priority. So yeah, yeah. So there's myself and this year it was Quinn Nation, another surfing West Australian judge. And basically we work as a team. So when the guys are watching the replays, we keep our eyes on the water and just make sure uh, no waves get missed, basically. So while it's, uh, the judges are watching a replay, we'll let them know if someone's paddling for a wave or quarter wave. And we also, there's another little part to it as well. There's a small little laptop machine and we actually press the button. So if the surf in the red rash vest takes off and goes right, we'll press the button and the direction of the wave. And then when the wave finishes, we hit the end button and that relates to the replay machine as well. So the judges have their own replay screen in the judging tower and uh, yes we kind of basically help out with that and uh, obviously there's one full-time guy there Ratso Ian Buchanan and he uh, he does priorities so if he needs to go to the bathroom or anything like that or have a break kind of step in and help out in the priority thing which is awesome yeah so it's a great role yeah nice hey Mick you know in the actual judges booth are they soundproof they're not soundproof. No, you can. Yeah, you know, it's a pretty. As in, as in each separate judge. Yeah, each. Set, yeah. No. The reason why I ask is, you know, if, if if you see like say John or someone do a huge turn, surely some of these judges might go whoa. You know, might, might make a bit of a sound effect. Does yeah. that actually do, happen? Do judges make noises? Yeah, that's a really good point. It's a really. I think I mentioned the first time we we're ever on. It's such a professional environment. It's incredible. Like there is no. It's unbelievable. Like you watch the best surfing ever done. And yeah, as a surfer for myself, I find it hard not to scream and, and do exactly what you're talking about, T-Bone. And, but you've got to be completely silent. You'll see a guy like John John surf the wave as good as you possibly can surf it. And it's dead silence. Really? It's just a complete <laughs> professional environment. And yeah, yeah. So it's it's incredible how, you know, it's obviously something we all love doing. And but yeah, it's just completely professional. They're all obviously barricaded off from each other. So they can't see, you know, you can't see what the person next to you has written as far as the score goes. So it's, yeah, completely professional environment. Mate, what about after, you know, after the heat's done or even after the day's done, do the boys get together and go, fuck, there's some sick waves today, lads? Yeah, no, they let out all the, oh, yeah. Man, that's what I was going to say. They all get together and just go, oh, fuck, oh, I can't believe you gave that a nine. Yeah, no, it's, it's really cool, actually. I mean, because at the end of the day, these guys are obviously not only the surf judges, but they love the sport. And at the moment, like, just to give you guys an idea, the the, the guys are ju- doing it. What is it? There's Ben Dunn, Drew Courtney. Oh, it's there's judges. There's two guys Dunn. that okay. have been on the tour themselves. You've got Ian Buchanan, the Ratso. Ratso, he's the priority judge, and he's won a world title in the Masters games. And also, the last couple of years, they've always had a female judge on the, the panel as well. Oh, cool. So the current one, Tori, she's won a world title for longboarding. So, uh, you know, you've got two world champions and a couple of former WCT surfers. And one of the new judges the last two years has been a Brazilian guy by the name of Renato as well. And Renato has won WQS events. And obviously, Luli, who head judges the, the females when the girls are on, he's a Brazilian judge and he's judged at WQS levels. And same with the head judge, Pratamo. So yeah, it's an incredibly talented. Also, another guy that probably needs mentioning is Ben Lowe, who's from the North Stradbroke Island, and he absolutely rips as well. So uh, they all surf incredibly well and they're frothers. So at the end of the day, yeah, they're, they're talking about it and they, they love sitting around and actually reviewing the scores. So they'll go through, you know, they can put it up and highlight 
and having a discussion about, you know, wave scores and where they can go on the next days, the good things, the bad things, how they can separate a little bit more and things like that. It's really interesting. Could you imagine five guys like Mickey P after watching – 24 heats during the day, <laughs> all just sitting around. Mate, they're probably up till four in the morning. Fuck, I was up fucking 6.73, fucking 7.5, fucking ah! Just fucking cooking out. So, <laughs> I can imagine Because Mickey that. B loves it. He loves it. <laughs> so, after watching Make a Break, Make a Break it, it looked to me like Pratamo was just telling everyone what to score. Retort. It's, it's, a really, it's a really interesting way it's done. So... What they basically want, and this has come from the surface, from what I've been understand, is they basically want, well, I guess I'll explain the process before I explain that. So what happens is the guys will sit, as I mentioned, they're barricaded. They've got in front of them a small, basically, laptop, little iPad type thing, which is where they enter the scores. Before they do that, they've also got a sheet. So when a, a guy or girl surfs a wave, they'll write the score down on their sheet. They'll then put it into the computer, but they won't lock the score in. So once the score is put in, they watch the replay, and the replay works really well, and it makes makes sure that their their score is basically what they've seen. So a really good example is one of the female heats we had. It was really hard when you watched it live from memory that the score was going to average around a 6.5 for one of the female surfers. But when you watch the replay, you could see her first turn, she'd actually done it like a two-stage as so she hadn't held a rail throughout the turn. And the judges had the opportunity then to come down. So the 6.5 ended up being around about a 5.8 from memory. So little things like that, they can adjust. So they put the score in. And what happens is when the scores get in, guys, the head judge sits there and he's got a terminal and he can see what the score is going to average. And he can also see what every judge has put in as a score. So they kind of use that as an opportunity to make sure the average is, is correct. So obviously you don't want to wave. It doesn't look very professional. It doesn't happen at this level, but you don't want to wave going from a five to a nine or something like that. So it's, it's really professional. He doesn't say what it should be, but you know if it's very close and there's a heat that's come down to the wire. In that show, he was saying what he thought it should be. Yeah. So he'll, he'll talk about what they'll do is they'll reference to, to other waves. So what you'll see is the wave's going to average a seven and they've seen a previous heat of waves being worse or better than this seven. They can basically go back to that and then make sure they've got the wave correctly scored. And sometimes, yeah, he can put his, put his two cents in there that way. But they try and get it minimized so that the head judge isn't actually saying this should be this, this should be that. They, they appreciate everybody's opinion on the wave score independent opinion as long as it's Potomo authorized <laughs> hey, mickey i don't believe so but was there a yeti 10 awarded during the pro there was wasn't a complete 10 but carissa moore probably one of the most exciting waves of the the event she was up against lakey peterson i think it was in their quarterfinal heat and lakey had priority there's only like 30 seconds to go or something and this wave came through it was a kind of a settish wave it looked like a closeout and lakey didn't go and carissa moore got spat out of the tube into a sick maneuver yeah i know that average in the high nines and there was a 10 thrown down are for you that kidding score. me so, yeah. i know the wave yeah i can't yeah. believe that got a 10 well, if you if you watch how deep it was it's pretty insane when you watch the the one really cool thing about the judging tower they've got their own judge yeah a judging camera operator how, which basically he he views it from the same position as the judges and what they see mm. but so you can also use other angles so that was you know she was completely covered she was deep and yeah it's the only female to get a barrel in the whole event so they wanted to reward reward that yeah it's definitely a moment in the thanks, event. thanks for that clarification on that one there mickey i'm gonna say it right now too but i thought carissa was overscored the whole event on you know we're not we're not here to agree with each other all the time are we i just reckon that i that wave she was yeah, I just find her calves are, are nice, but she does those similar sort of calves every time and gets 
eights for doing like three of those turns. And I understand that the judges are sort of looking for that carvey maneuver, but you look at Ethan Ewing doing those carves, he does the carves all the time, but they're always got a bit of variation and there's so much power and length in the hold of the rail. And I think that Chris's turns are sick. I don't necessarily think that she should be getting eights and nines for doing three of those calves. So I just don't think it's worth it. Well, they it. said the same thing about Tyler Wright going to the layback all the time, but she's back in the in the favour of the judges' eyes. She had a like, she won bells and she she's had a doing good less crack. laybacks, believe way it or less not. laybacks. Yeah. You reckon she's gone? To, I reckon she's gone to another level with her surfing. I I I don't think she won the final, but I reckon she was she was a form surfer of the event. Her variation outside is, of Bronte McCauley, obviously. Obviously, <laughs> you know how we all feel about Bronte. She's she's our queen. She is. But yeah, what do you reckon about that, Mickey? Yeah, I mean, we, you're talking about Tyler. She's on a roll. Yeah, you're right. She's the probably most informed female surfer in the world at the moment. She obviously won bills leading up into it. And uh, yeah, obviously, I don't know her personally, but I know she's probably in a pretty happy space at the moment. Obviously, she's, uh, yeah, with relationships. And uh, I know she's obviously, I believe she's changed coaches as well. So she's got a new coach. So she's probably just, yeah, it probably is freshened things up for her. And uh, yeah, she's definitely an informed surfer. And just, I guess, going back to what T-Bone was talking about and you guys about scores and Carissa and all that. One thing too that they do is... Obviously, for a male and a female heat, there's a difference in scale. So, obviously, you know, scores are elevated for the females in comparison to the males. So, yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, everyone's got uh, opinions, a right of opinions. And that's why at the end of the day, there's five judges, you know, judging with, the, you know, putting their scores in. The highest one gets knocked out. The lowest one gets knocked out as well. And they average the three. So Yeah. yeah. So, for any Hawaiian listeners, I must I must put a caveat there. I I think Chris is the best surfer in the world. Oh, I know he's bad. Better, <laughs> apart, from, apart from Steph and a couple of others, obviously. But, yeah, yeah. I just thought that her, her surfing was amazing. But I just, yeah, it's not like you're going to watch that and go get excited about those turns, I don't think, as a punter. What I, what I will say is, though, Luckily, Lakey had made the cut because Chris had got through. I think she beat Lakey fair and square, but that was a big score to throw out. From memory, T-Bone, she needed a score with three minutes to go. She got a wave, and as she was coming back out, she ended up comboing her. So mm. she went from needing a score her. to three weeks, sorry, three minutes later, having her in a combo situation. Yeah. So, yeah, she clearly won that heat. So, yeah, yeah. people, yeah, you know, regardless of pe- how people feel about that one particular wave, yeah. it was clearly that she won that heat and got through. Yeah, yeah. she was, yeah. yeah. All right, so just just while we've got a little, well, I just made a break in transmission, <laughs> we've had our other special guests rock up, and I would like to put a huge barrel surf podcast welcome to the best in the business the physio to the stars the manipulator for the professionals the the absolutely greatest physio in the whole world and especially the southwest trevor froffens brown thanks for having me back guys it's really good to be here and I'm lapping up these intros. Like, I don't get them at home. So we're in another practice. Pretty sure so none I of us get intros it. at home, mate. So we'll get back to Mickey in a sec. But Trev, you've been on the road today. You've been doing some physio for some big wigs up in the city, right? Yeah, n- n- nothing treatment-wise or nothing clinically. I just went up to Waste and had a quick meeting. That was really good. I've kind of cemented a position there and, and the association with, with West Australian Institute of Sport. And, you know, they were stoked to... To hear about the work I was doing at the at the pro, and then you know I sort of got a few things happening because I was obviously contracted by the WSL for the pro, and that was a great experience. I'm happy to talk about that. I can kind of contribute a little bit to the Tyler Wright situation because I did have the the fortune of, of treating her. I, I'd never met her before, but you know, I looked after, treated her for about an hour, and 
had a couple of good combos with her, but I'll, I'll elaborate on that a bit. But yeah, I just went up there quickly and had a, a meeting. So there's a lot of sort of formal stuff, and then I had to buy some physio equipment for some of the things that I'm working on. And I pretty much had a full barrel surf podcast feast today because I listened to it all the way up there and all the way back, and I, and now I'm here, and I just feel like I know <laughs> your guys' voices so well. <laughs> They're just no, ringing in my ears. Hey, there's no way I'd be funny stuff no way I'd be here on. if you if that was me. I'd be like, get out of here. I've got a quick question for you regarding Tyler Wright and Mickey Plowman, actually. Mickey Plowman is a very fit man. I believe his job up north in the mines is gym-orientated and recreation and stuff like that. And, mate, Tyler Wright is an extremely fit individual. Yeah. Mate, if they had a little showdown, who you t- who you backing? Like, who's got the bigger quads? Tug of war. Let's just say tug of war or mate, an arm wrestle. I was walking behind Tyler at the comp and Tyler in a heartbeat. <laughs> I reckon Mickey would come in with a little bit of wisdom and maybe use his little finger and choke her out somehow. But because Mickey really, mate, at your wedding, I remember then, I remember everyone was saying that you are smiling when you're exercising hard and it's hurting. And you're still laughing and smiling. And you just do workouts for three, four, five hours and you think it's the best thing in the world. And well, it's pretty funny. I've seen it in action, mate. Like, he's, he's a machine. Like, he doesn't stop. He's got a lot of endurance. <laughs> He does. He's a fit dude. And, mate, the Margies Pro, it was an ad- absolute fucking quad fest down there, wasn't it? The quads and glutes kicking around some of these crew down there. Who had who had the biggest uh, who had the biggest quads that you worked on, Trev? Oh, well, yeah, that was interesting. I didn't get to work on everybody. I had – there was a select few surfers that I worked on, probably about a dozen or so. The physio for Surfing Australia was there, so he was working on a lot of them off-site. Tyler was definitely – in in good physical health obviously it was the first time i'd met her and she got referred to me through the physio from surfing australia paul who was who was a great guy to work with and link up with and through some of the there was a red bull guy he goes i'm from cali i'm working with red bull and he was a chiropractor sort of dude and he sent a few people my way because he goes oh there's a physio on on the team and so she came in and like she entrusted me to to do a bit of maintenance work on her body and i got the feeling from that our experience with her that she is in a better place and i talked about the whole make or break scenario i watched that and she said yeah i think she's come through a bit of stuff you know like an athlete journey and and she looked like she she looks like she's powering out so she was definitely strong i wouldn't she looked like she had a really strong upper body and she's obviously got strong lower limb capability but Courtney Conlog was definitely quad dominant. Yeah, she was like she would dominate you with your with her quads. Don't get Eddie worked up, mate. She only got trackies on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be careful what I say because like T Bone, this is your influence last time, mate. You just Fine. cranked it Jesus. out last time, but but she we had a chat about. She was great too. She was really good to work with. I have to say, all the surfers were so receptive and great to work with, and very appreciative, and it made my job and like really really enjoyable and i had to stay in my game and stay in my lane and not be too starstruck and i don't think i was i just tried to make sure i was cool calm and collected because there was a bit of stress with the cut and and the waves were pretty solid and all that sort of thing but yeah courtney realized that she needed a bit of glute work and they, they were pretty aware of their bodies like bronte i did a fair bit of a lot of work with bronte and we can talk about that later yeah she's so awesome like she was like the anti-prima donna she was like the most awesome athlete to work with and uh, great personality and, and she had strong quads yeah for her size and physique for sure yeah so yeah she was great just one quick question for trev 
Did you get to marinate little goat's hooves? Touch the goat. So you know, mate, like you're just like, are you eating horny goat weed or something? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just need to know if you touched the goat, mate. I didn't, mate. Not I didn't even. I'm really sorry to disappoint. I didn't even see the goat. The goat was like a myth for me because I was stuck in the medical room and the medical area a fair bit, and we had to. We got strict protocols that we weren't really allowed. We we're right next to the athlete zone. But we weren't really allowed in there unless we we're doing a specific rehab with the athletes because they they changed it from when I was there in 2019. The lockers and the uh, the treatment room was right next to each other and the warm up area. And this time they put the medical room out the back a little bit with the, next to the doctor's room. There was a physio room, doctor room, and then there was some showers and everything. And I think that was to give the surfers privacy. So if they didn't have an injury, they went in front of all the other guys. And and then we only went to the athlete zone if if like I went in there with Bronte and did some stuff for her with her slight injury, which I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone knows about, mm. which she's coming good from, from what I know. And she did really well to get to you know back it up and get into the semis to actually surf the semis. But I, so I didn't even see the goat, like which I was kind of a bit spewing about. I saw him there last time. I saw John John a fair bit. Mm. And uh, do you know who else has got big quads? Is bloody Akal. All right. So I reckon we're he's going to We're going to go back to uh, Trev's horny quad syndrome <laughs> shortly. <laughs> but uh, you are listening to the Barrel Surf Podcast. We do have Trevor Froffens Brown. We also have Mickey Plowman in the share quarters today. So I just wanted to go back to, to Mickey Plowman quickly. And we talked about a bit about the judging. Now, I know you have a, a bit of an insight into some of the machinations of the WSL, the wuzzle, as we call it. Mickey, I believe a couple of things that we want to ask you about is potentially some of your insight or some of the knowledge that you've got from the inner sanctum about the wildcards for next year and the rest of this year. And also, we did have three days of pretty fucking firing bot. And I understand that there's logistics involved, but when you're trying to put a product out to the world and increase your audience and your entire audience wants the box, why would you not get the box involved? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Like I guess for it was such a sick and awesome event. If I was to say one disappointing factor, the only disappointing factor from the the whole event was probably what you're talking about. Yeah. Like yeah, we're all frothing the sea box. It's and it's a it's a really it's an interesting topic because obviously when the box is going off main breaks going off it's not like one's good and one's bad they're just they're both on and i think they were just really focused on trying to get through the event as through it yeah it's they're always all the more reason all the more reason to have all the more reason in my mind to have heats on at the box and heats on at main break i just don't yeah it is a it is a really interesting thing and i know it's something that could potentially happen and definitely it's definitely talked about you know being able to try try and divvy up a panel it's something that potentially they could do and then obviously get through a heat the, the format really really fast the schedule obviously doing that multi-peaking it because i know i mentioned last time we caught up last year it's, it's around about a 40 minute delay so if they were to hypothetically run at the start of the day when you've got tired and good winds at the box and they'll stop the event and obviously have to restart at main break you're looking at around 40 to 50 minutes to, to go from spot to spot yeah it, it is like for me, I you know, I obviously froth on it. I'm obsessed with this event. I think it's incredible. The only thing that I wished happened was we, we got a box day and you because know, it was there to, to be had. And I know that was something on the broadcast that they I see Stath Galbraith actually hit Jesse Molly Dyer up, the commissioner, about, you know, why what are we doing? And she basically answered to her credit, she answered it straight out. Yeah, look, we really want to get through some heats. Obviously they did overlapping format that day to get through it. They were aware that they were gonna have about a four or five day onshore period. So I think that could have come to a factor but 
yeah, I think it's definitely something we all want. Um, if it was the only, for me, the only thing that could have topped off this year's event even more was if we did have a couple of days out there. Yeah. I do have a little bit of insight from the mythical goat, actually, T-Bone. I did have a very quick chat with him in the car park the morning that Box was firing that Saturday morning. And he said he was speaking to whoever, the, the powers that be the night before, really pushing to try to make the box happen the next morning. And he said, like what you say, they always want to get through the comp, which is always, they always want that. So that's nothing new. But it was early in the comp. They ran overlapping heats that day. He said, you can't run, run overlapping heats at the box. There's not enough waves. He said, sometimes there's not enough waves, even for two people in half an hour out there, in terms of giving each other a fair amount of scoring potential each. And he was really pushing for it, but he just knew it wasn't going to happen that day because, mate, they ended up running like fuck knows how many heats that yeah, day. It was a yeah. huge day and it was pumping. I think the only way that they're ever going to run at the box is if they get a forecast where it's seven out of those first 10 days are just offshore with swell and, yeah. and because they, they're never going to run the box in the first – like they're never going to run it before, say, round – round of 16 but anyway. going on that mate they just if they had seven days of offshore they just run the first three days at main break and be done with the continent fuck off well maybe they would i mean there's a, a cost issue as well isn't there it, like absolutely if, if they can if, mean, they, if they can finish a heat a comp in three or four days compared to 10 it yeah, costs yeah. them a lot less but they've got to do it because they keep advertising it and you can't keep advertising yeah, it yeah. if you're not going to Run it. 99 yeah. out of 100 surf fans want to see it. Want yeah. to see the yeah. box. But, uh, mate, like what you were saying before, it was the best comp of the year for surf. Yeah, yeah. Every other comp has had good waves before the event. We were actually, and then went to shit for the comp. We were actually no different and pumped for two days before, like yeah. crazy pumped to the point where it's like, oh, no, it's going to happen again. But we just held out and got some more. If that waiting period had started two days earlier, we would have had box, I'm claiming. Yeah. And it's just, just really quickly too, like just, I guess, the, the process to each and every morning, what will happen is the two head judges, so Luli, who's the, the female head judge, and Pratama, who head judges the males, he'll meet with the commissioner, Jesse Molly Dyer, and also Renato Hickel, the tour manager, with the local forecaster, in, so our events, Mike McAuliffe, who you guys have had on recently, and they'll, they'll just analyze it big time. And to the point where... When an event's in their thinking and box is an option, they'll actually have a timer, like a 30-minute timer, and they'll count how many rideable or good waves are uh, available in that time. So that all that kind of stuff comes to uh, comes into play, and it's, it's a pretty intense call when they do it and when they don't. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what they do each and every morning, yeah, when they, they meet. Yeah, right. Well, if it's at the box, it would have been a hell of a lot more work for Trevor, I'm, I'm tipping. <laughs> a few more injuries. Tyron, you had a question? Yeah, boys, I did get an exclusive bit of audio from Kelly Slater when he was at the box. Well, when he was looking at the box, I'll just quickly play it. Just uh, hang on there. <laughs> oh, God. It was pumping, mate. <laughs> pumping box, Kelly. <laughs> That's a yellow card, T-Bone. <laughs> All right, so the other thing that we were sort of talking about before we started here today on Barrel Surf Podcast with Mickey Plowman and Trevor Froffens-Brown, his actual name is Lawrence Brown, I should say that. You well, mentioned something like about it. the wildcards so because yeah. obviously a lot of, not necessarily controversy because let's face it, Kelly was always going to get it. But what sort of insights have you got for us, Mickey? Yeah, there's a fair bit to it. It was kind of like, kind of confusing because I... Yeah, there's two, kind of two sets of wild cards and I wanted to kind of get on top of it because I wasn't, even though I froth on it and I, you know, try and keep on, 
on pace with everything. I still kind of didn't didn't have my head fully around it. So I actually spoke to Renato Huku today to kind of get clarity. So I've got a little bit of a memoir about it. I asked him about how the wildcard forecast works and also how obviously the Challenger Series starts this week at Snapper Rocks and how it's going to work. Yeah, so how it's going to work, like how many events will count and all that kind of stuff. So I'll just see if I can tee this audio up from him. And he's Let's hope it's better than T-Bone's audio. <laughs> so I'll just turn my phone up and hopefully this comes Hi out. Hey guys, it's Renato Hickle. I just had a shoey. I'm just coming back from G-Land. <laughs> Here we go, guys. I'll see how we go with this. Um, right. Yes, yeah, so this involves the wild cards and also the, uh, the Challenger Series. Hey. Hey, it's Renato Hickle here. Okay, first of all, there are only two wild cards that will compete on a second half because... If you check the numbers, we reduced the fields from overall, right? From 36 and 18 to 24 and 12. So it's top 22 plus one wild card, which is Kelly, counting points, and an event wild card. Every event has its own. So that makes 24. There is no poopoo competing on the second half neither brisa right because in a woman it's top 10 plus joanne plus an event wild card make the field of 12. so poopoo and brisa they got a wild card only for 2024 right so they don't have they don't compete on the second half ah but maybe in brazil poopoo is okay he might got event wildcard or if we have a, a withdrawal like happens with Iago last year because Iago last year he got also the wildcard for the second half of the year same as Sally but because Medina was injured and all the surfers are injured he keep getting starts on, on these events similar to Sally right because Caroline was still injured anyway so maybe you know, Miguel or Brisa got a event world card later on in the year, but it'll be an event world card or a replacement. So that's the story with the wild cards. Challenger series count four out of the six. Four. So top four results out of the six six events we're gonna have it. Alrighty. All right, man, I miss you guys. So yeah, so that was a good clarification for him. So there is two wild cards, obviously male and female, but only one for the males, it's Kelly, and the females, it's Joanne DeFay. So they'll compete for the rest of this year and their points count. So if they go on a roll, they can actually be in the top five for uh, Trestles. But Miguel Pupo and Brissa Hennessy, they've been a wild card for next year, so they'll start next year. He also gave me some really good information to just in discussions about the Challenger Series. And what happened last year was when the Challenger Series started, if you're on the championship tour, you had to compete in two of the Challenger Series. That was kind of in your contract. They've wiped that now. So guys that have qualified, they've made the cut. They don't have to compete in any Challenger Series. And the reason why, it was really interesting actually when I asked him about it, what they're trying to do is make it easier for people to re-qualify. So if someone's just been cut, they didn't make the cut at Margaret's, they can compete in these six events. Their best four will count and they can be back on tour in October. So the Challenger Series finishes in October and by not having CT level surfers in there, it gives them more opportunities. They're not, they're not drawing Gabriel Medina or John John Florence or these kind of guys. Um, so Can those CT guys still go in if they want to? 100%. Yes, if they want to do it, they Hopes can do it. They're in Snapper this way. Yep. 
Yeah, so that that's a really good clarification from why they're doing it. Yeah. Hey Mick, I don't want to dwell on the goat, but he's only gonna to me. He's only gonna surf Tahiti and J Bay. He's not gonna go to Brazil. He's not gonna go to poor man's J Bay. He might. I mean, I, I think the obligation is there for him to do that now because oh, he's he, taken up. So well, much I think it, I think he has to do the whole lot. He's got it. What do you reckon, Mick? Yeah, I think. You know, obviously, I've got no insight to it, the discussions, but I'm I'm sure they probably would have said, hey, if we give you a day, you're going to compete. And the WCL yeah, aren't, you, you know, to, like man. you guys were at the event, you saw it itself. When he when he's there, there's 200 more people on the beach. Yeah. And the WCL would know how many people are, will just, you know, how many people we know that just love him, have watched him for 30 years, don't want him to go. And when he's competing, I can imagine their internet hits would just go through the roof, you know. It's and, Kelly one, Daylight second, which is why I just can't work out why they didn't make everything happen to make the box, to do the box, mm. because they are aware of what the p- people want. The people want Kelly. At the box. Kelly at the box, yeah. yeah. And w- one thing, sorry. Yeah, you know. I, I just, yeah. I, I know what you said, and I understand the scheduling and everything else, but I just reckon they've got to be able to pivot a little bit with that sort of thing. One thing I really took away from that speech from Renato there is the, the cut. They've really cut the shit. No poo-poo. Yeah, no poo poo, which is very, very good. Cut the shit right off the, the back. Now, so it's Samuel, it's Samuel Miguel poo poo. I thought it was poo poo, but it seems like it's poo poo. No, just well, on that, guys. And there's no poo poo in the water at Brazil. To, I, I disagree. I think their water quality is pretty B grade over there. There's a fair bit of poo poos in the just, water over there. Just one thing I want to bring up, guys, because the, the cut was super harsh because obviously it's a similar situation to last year. You would have known Liam O'Brien last year got injured in pipe the mm. day of day one. Yeah and couldn't compete and had to re-qualify and to his credit he did for the Challenger Series the same things happened for a few surfers so you've got unfortunately you've got Jadson Andre he got injured at pipe so he hasn't been able to compete in that and you've got Ramsey Bookham who you know he was on the yep. championship qualifying series for um, since 1943 yeah he's been on there I think it was 11 years I heard he was on 11 years he, he qualifies and the poor guy gets injured I, I believe in Hawaii as well and couldn't compete at all and uh, yeah, so you, you feel for those kind of guys and uh, there was a lot going to it. I know, I guess some insight, Miguel Pupo, he couldn't surf, mm. but he was at the Mark River Pro. So whether he's put, trying to put doing? his forward, I think he was just hanging out to show that he's... I believe he put his case forward to the, to the WCL committee. That's what I believe. Yeah, he's, his whole purpose of being at that event was to show, yep, I'm keen, I want to be here type thing. Yeah, that's, that's kind of my in, intake for it, uh, so insight for if, it. if I was a coach, right? I'd be saying to Miguel Pupo and to Bruce Hennessy, surf your fucking head off in the next six months at Pipeline, Bells, Margaret River, Portugal. Because those guys have got six months off essentially to work on their surfing. So hit those first five events, locations, and you're just going to get a jump start surely. Doesn't he have to do the Challenger Series though in that time? No, they've got a wild, they've got a wild card into the first half of the oh, year. The first so they don't need yeah, to do anything. Oh, gotcha. They can oh, just go yeah, on photo trips, video like video yeah. trips, you know, sponsor just hit trips. Bells in winter, flat hit out. Those for comps two where you've had bad results yeah. at, yeah. away you go. That's a oh, good good coach. So if anybody, any got, of, any of the pros out there want to hire me as a coach, <laughs> not <laughs> Mate, available. I've got one thing to add on that wild card thing. When Kelly got knocked out of that comp, I seen him in the car park. It was like near the end of the day. And I was fully wigging out because I'm. D- you I, were. I went, yeah, because I was just like, mate, you, oh. you've just been knocked out, and you no one chaired you up the beach. This is what I said to him. I said, mate, just tell me one thing: Did WA surf fans 
just commit the biggest surf crime in the history of the world <clears throat> by not chairing Kelly Slater up the beach in his last tour event because I said I'm I'm pretty wigged out by it right now to be honest and he said no no don't worry you, you'll be seeing me around and smiled and I just went okay that's good because I was a bit worried and I walked off and said, Have he a good night. with a scoop so yeah, yeah so I was just like I took it out to Triple M. Yeah. Oh, did you? Next day. <laughs> before, the, before the wild card was announced. No way. <laughs> because I was just wigged out because I was like, mate, if that is the last time he's either A, not surfing Margie's Pro, or B, not surfing ever again in a CT, why the fuck didn't the WA public lift him up on his shoulders? But because there was so much uncertainty as to all this wild card stuff, I mean, it wasn't even on the table, even though it was sort of on the table. But I, it wigged me out, so I just wanted to chuck that in there. But he gave me a little knowingly smile like, oh, you'll see me around. And I was like, what does that mean? But I, I, it made me feel better. that If we you hadn't... rub my head three times, you'll see me in the next few events, <laughs> has he? Hey, just a quick one on what, what Namu said about these surfers having six months off before they start the, the new year. I reckon it makes no fucking no, – does make any difference at all. Mickey Poopo is Mickey Poopo. He can go to Bells for fucking two months, go to Portugal for two months. He'll still be Miguel Poopo. <laughs> He's not going to be top five. That's, that's just my take on it. Yeah, I think that's not in his favour. And he I think did. that went in Brewster Hennessy's favour as well. She won an event last year as well and was in the yellow for quite some time. Obviously, she was in the top five at the end of the year, so I think that went in her favour as well over someone like Courtney Conalogue, who's been on the tour forever, and she actually won Tahiti from memory as well last year so that would have been super a tough call who who for the ladies got in but yeah that i kind of just an outside looking in for him miguel pupo i think winning tahiti last year really went into his favor and the fact that it was here to show how keen he was and yeah could have potentially gone in his favor as well i'm sure the other surfers would obviously been in contact with the commissioners and all that kind of stuff to try and put their best case forward but yeah yeah so it's obviously a tough decision and unfortunately some people want it out. But just on the cut, we're talking about it. Isn't it phenomenal? Because like I remember sitting here last year talking to you guys and uh, Sally Fitzgibbon and a couple of other surfers, Connor Coffin and Morgan Sibley, mm. they'd made the top five and then six months later were off tour. Oh, they no, didn't make the it's cut. Crazy. And then this year, the same thing's kind of happened. Joel, you know, Chianka, he is... 3,000 points in front. He's in the yellow game. Molly Picklum is another And Molly Picklum, yeah. yeah. And that both those guys were off tour last year. And, you know, we're talking like 12 months on and yeah. they're in the yellow Guernsey. It's incredible, the, the turnaround, yeah. I'd love to see Morgan back and I reckon he will. I mean, he came from winning a QS 1000 in Mandra to being, you know, in the top five at Trestles. Got bundled off the following year, but I think Morgan can come back. Hopefully he'll be one of the Aussies. So he'll make a return. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm, he only just missed out on the cut on the Challenger Series last year. Trev Froffens. Oh, I was only going to say, like listening to the some of the previous episodes today in the car, you actually predicted that Slater would get the wild card, and in in like two episodes ago. Did I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty good. I've got a memory like a goldfish, which yeah. everyone knows. So I don't so remember that, but yeah, a little bit like your bladder. What I mean. But also, I don't know all the. The rules and stuff. Sorry, that's from listening to the cast today and as giving you shit. But and also you've been doing your pelvic floor exercises. You told me yesterday 
has been getting better, so that's great. Not to break confidentiality, but but I don't know if you can break confidentiality and then say to not break confidentiality. <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> I can see it. Look, I, I don't. I don't really mean to say this, but as a, you're a fucking dickhead. Clive <laughs> Farmer. But I I didn't know too much about the whole scenario with the allocation of wild cards, and it's interesting to listen to you guys. And but I got inside knowledge to Miguel's injury, and I'm pretty sure it's fairly well known that he has an ankle injury and it's a syndesmosis which we talked about when I was on the cast with you guys previously and you guys can remember that's a high ankle sprain and happens with surfers who are doing punts and you know trying to squeeze out the doggy door with like heavy barrels and stuff like that so he's got that injury I saw a lot of the information about it because it came through from Bells and uh, you know I won't elaborate too heavily but he's got some work to do with that injury so and I, I think from just a maybe just a personal physio side of it and and surf fan and even though he's brazilian he's he's been battling away a long time he's has some you know some pretty good results on tour and done quite a few high level things on tour you know they deserve this access when they've had injuries he's also been in and out he's also missed missed like qualification and all the rest of it he has he's been up and down but there's a lot of surfers like that that's the nature of the business but i just think he when surfers have a a, quite a serious structural injury they should then bronte talked about it a little bit when i was working with her like i think they should be given the opportunity i think as individuals they they put a lot of work in and these some of these guys are pretty banged up and they're managing their bodies pretty hard yeah all around the world um, and all year round, and so maybe I don't think I don't know if this is relevant to what you guys are saying, but I just think if someone has an injury, they should be given access as a wild card. Well, it used to, to be back. an injury wild card. Yeah. That that was yeah. the the sole parameter that they used to work on was if yeah. you're injured and you probably just, if you would have probably made it, you, you get that injury wild card. I think that's fair and just, you know. But I'm I've got that side of things. Yeah, I've got a microphone, Adzi. Just a quick one: How many athletes do you reckon you actually treated over the pro? numbers yeah, i was thinking about that because people have been asking me this last week i reckon oh there would have been about 10 or 12 of them that i looked after i think yeah so who was the friendliest and the most sort of chatty and happy and down to earth obviously excuse me apart um, from bronte because she's just the cheeky monkey blocking me up a bit but i think look how do i i don't think i can isolate that i think bronte That's okay. I worked you, don't, with, you don't need to yeah, well, Bron- Bronte I worked with after the quarterfinal, and I know her in bits and pieces. I see her surfing all the time down in her her neck of the woods along that Greystown stretch. Oh, you um, nearly got away with it there. Yeah, I know. I, the location. I know. I didn't. I didn't say it. But she uh, she's so good to work with, and and she was very appreciative, and and she did all, everything she could during the week, and we managed that really well with her her knee injury, her MCL, which we talked about in the last podcast that I came on as well, and uh, it was only low grade, but. Yeah, you know, it was pretty big waves on that that last day of the semis, and I got there at like quarter to six in the morning. We strapped up her knee, and she hadn't surfed since the the quarterfinal. She was really appreciative and helpful, and did everything in her power. And she was worried about challenger series as well. That was a really big consideration mm. as to whether or not she surfed the the semi. And and she was a full trooper and did everything in her power. Uh, and I just uh, facilitated that to get out into that semi, and the waves weren't that user-friendly as no. we saw there pretty long lulls there a couple of big outside sets but i think all the out of all the surfers like i thought maxime Husinet, who i treated he was great ian gentile had a really tricky scenario and in the end he was really cool and fully understanding asked some pretty 
you know, hard questions of the whole scenario, and we can talk about that at some point. Well, I probably could just to elaborate a bit more. I thought like Tyler was really cool. I thought Courtney Collin was really cool. That's fine. Tell us about Angie Teal, Matt. Okay, I did. I did strap up his knee, and he was like, he was ultra mellow. And I was a bit worried about when he pulled the strapping off his knee because he's pretty hairy around his knee, so that would have hurt. But it was only, it wasn't a bad injury; it was just a, a laceration that he had to cover. But uh, yeah, we can go back to the the, no, the hot topic. Let's that do it now. Angie and Till. Do you have any questions about it? First, yeah, you, know you, you were just talking about well, it. He there. got bundled out. out he, of the he, con- contest, he didn't serve didn't? his hate, did he? Because he was injured. Yeah, exactly right. And Mickey, Mickey and I were talking earlier today on the phone, and and it got announced on the WSL, didn't it, Mick? Yeah, I think right. it's com- it's common knowledge uh, about his concussion situation. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. All right. So, so he slapped his face in the water, didn't he? He did. Sorry, Trev's just doing his best to. Obviously, he's a professional, and there's a lot of stake, and he needs to pick his topics and conversations carefully. And doesn't he- mind talking about my pelvic floor, that does he? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, that's it. There's nothing to lose there. But obviously, yeah, he's just sort of making sure. I, I mean, I know he got a concussion, so I must have read that somewhere. So. No, it was in it was in a media outlet somewhere. Yeah, it, so. it was announced in the WSL. But yeah, if you don't, if you feel like you can't no, say no, something, no, just no, just no, don't no. say it. Yeah, it's cool. No, no, I'm more than happy to talk about it, and and like I like talking about your pelvic floor. It's very intimate, Namu. Feels like I'm getting to know you, <laughs> but uh, oh, go T-Bone for it. Tebow, <laughs> no, I was Tebow's squeezing and lifting no. at the moment too. Like. <laughs> Just Jeez. quick one, Trev. Yeah. Just a question, Trev. We spoke about concussion last time yes. in the potty, and that was, yes. I think, we are talking about AFL, yep. NFL. There's so many sports that have concussion. Was this the first one ever 100%. for the WSL? Yep, it was a precedent. Okay, so, yeah, thanks, Azzy, for explaining before, because I, I just wanted to make sure I followed my track right. So, just before his heat with Leo, so the day before Ian Gentile, he'd had a face slap. You got to remember a face slap out at Margs versus maybe at Snapper is completely different, all right. If anybody surf Margs, you know you just you, when you get slapped, you like yeah, it's heavy water. It's heavy, and he had he came and presented to the doctor, Doctor Dave, who I worked with all week. He's a really cool guy. Both the doctors I worked with were great, and I think he was looking for help. He had a bit of a headache. He was quite focal, and he I think he had a bit of sleep disturbance and he and a few other things. He was just looking for a bit of help, and then. He went through an assessment and then next thing you know, he got pulled out because he was flagged as a concussion. And Dave had checked with Alan McKillop, who's the WSL doctor who contracted all of us here, who's based on the East Coast and, and very highly experienced. And so that call was made. And, uh, you know, once Dave had done the assessment, there was other things that were involved, sensitivity to light, things like that. We talked about the, you know, symptoms of concussion. It's a cognitive impairment. You can have neuroscience and a lot of those things are double vision, dizziness, drowsiness, disorientation, and then another one's dialogue or being able to swallow properly. That sounds like me after four double IPAs in the shed quarters. Maybe I've just had concussion this whole time. No double IPAs, mate. (laughs) Remember I said, you don't worry about FIIs or TCE or whatever it is, you just worry about IPAs. That's that's your real, that's your syndrome. (laughs) XPAs and IPAs. That's your diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Trev, I'm there with you sometimes. I just want to say kudos to the WSL, the, the doctor who made the call. Yep. Yeah. I'm sure Ian Gentil wasn't happy about it, but I think, you know, 
surfers health is priority and i think that's a it's a big call but a, but the right call that was made on the day so kudos to he made yeah, the cut though right that's a great comment i think T-Bone. he did didn't he yeah he's, he made I the mean, cut yeah, he yeah. would have been kicking and screaming if it was a it was a heat for him yeah. to make the cut. But end of the day, it's his health and look. I know you're horny for goats and all that sort of stuff, but I know and, you're, and safety and safe. But I know you're a very smart man as well, and I've got some intel on that today. And what and on, got some um, good, yeah, Bobby Gulling. Sorry, <laughs> no. I know that you've that you've got some um, good insight and, and intelligence, and I think you're 100 percent right that it was handled well. The doctor, Doctor Dave, he did an excellent job. We did a, an assessment called a SCAT-5, which is, is a very validated and standardized tool that's used in AFL and a lot of sports nationally. And we use it even for our local footy club. And he failed components of that. He ended up with me. I talked about certain things with him because I've just done a presentation with a football club and I've, a lot of this information is fresh in my mind. We spoke to his partner, which remember I said last time, you've got to have a strategy to, to bring a family member in or a partner in. So... They, they know that the deal and they can keep an eye on on the athlete. It was all about athlete welfare. And, you know, obviously there's a medical legal component. But you have to remember, if you go out in this situation, if you go out and surf and you have some form of rapid onset of symptoms, because it's basically a bruised brain. And I said that to Ian Gentile. I said, you've got to think about it. Imagine you've got a massive bruise on your quad and you're trying to let that repair. And you go out and smash that bruise again and you cause permanent muscle damage. That can, that's what can happen with your brain. You can cause further bruising on a bruise, mm. in, so to speak. And brain tissue is a bit different to muscle tissue. But he, he handled it really well. And the next day, he, we got him checked by a neurophysio in Bustleton, um, Fiona Trendos. And full kudos to her that she saw him on a Sunday. And she's highly professional and, and a great physio. And... He came back and I and she referred him back to be treated by myself and I treated him for about 45 minutes. We discussed a whole lot of things. And by that stage, he knew he'd made the cut and he the pressure was off and he, he understood the whole scenario. He agreed that his whole welfare and athlete welfare was number one. And I treated his neck for him and I gave him some other things to work on his spine because he's probably a little bit of a whiplash to go with it. There's always a bit of neck stuff that often goes with it. To cut a long story short, that was a pretty big deal that kind of the doctor and I talked about quite in depth. And at the WCL, I think there was a couple, I think there was lawyers that came down and kind of got involved. And Wow, the whole the, thing. The last thing I'd say is that Elo, who I met and I treated quite a few times, extremely nice guy. Great guy. I actually got along with him really well. What were you treating him for? I was treating his, <laughs> <laughs> a keyboard. I was treating his, his hip. Keyboard and, stress. Uh, but he, he was a really cool guy. And he said, he went into executive mode and he goes, right call, tough call. Right call, and, tough call. Yeah, or you know, the way around. But he, right. yeah, he was really good about it. So I think the WCL learned a lot out of that. Do you know what the big danger is, which I'll finish with this, is that if a surfer has a head injury or a head slap, or they have signs of concussion and they don't want to be pulled out of their heat. Legal action down the track, they're right? Gonna, they're going to potentially not come and tell us. Yeah, and yeah. That's dangerous. So they need yep. to be educated and, you know, it needs to be identified that they understand where the guidelines are and the protocols because that's what Ian said. He goes, I didn't really know where the guidelines or the precedent, there's, there was no precedent for it. So he goes, I didn't know where I stood. I didn't know I was going to be pulled out of my heat. So I think that needs to be 
outline to the surface, and I think I think that's going to happen. It's already in the cards, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's such a it's such a big deal with the AFL and other sports. Yeah, well, said Trev, it, it's obviously going to come into play in surfing, and I think you know people are wearing helmets up at Pipeline and Chopin and stuff. Now back to you, Mickey Plowman. I've got a I've got a, a couple of things I want to discuss with you quickly. So, given that, for instance, now Kelly Slater, right? has got the wild card for this year. So Kelly Slater has now got a year to surf, right? So a year in the CT. So how is that different, having the media cut, to just having it the cut at the end of the year and having a year then? Because yeah. Kelly Slater's now got a year and the rest of the surfers have got a year who made the cut. So it just seems to me that they're, they're doing that cut thing at the wrong time of the year. I mean, we all love that Mark River gets that drama and everything else, but... It just seems to me it's almost like the school year. I mean, they, you know, when they they changed it from January to December, and now it's with the ages, and that July to June. Tell me what the difference is. Yeah, there's a little bit of intel there. So now that so originally, so the Mark River Pro and all the the starting for the first half of the year, all the events are 70 heats. So for the males and the females, are 70. Now that we've got dropped the surfers numbers down through the cut, we drop down to 46. So straight away, there's what 24 less heat. So you're looking at potentially two days. So their their idea of that and their thinking of that, um, they can get through or take advantage of swell periods. Also, as we know, like from Margaret, it creates huge drama. Every heat you're watching, like what Trevor was just talking about with Ian Gentil, like the poor guy can't surf, and he was right on the cut line. Like everything went in his favour. Like the guys that were below him, a couple of those guys got knocked out. Five guys below him, I think. Yes, yeah, yeah. so, and everything kind of fell into place for him to stay on tour. So you can yeah. imagine everything it makes, you know, I guess it's halfway through the year, it does make it a bit exciting. But there is a bit of intel that I've heard about this. And so the Margaret River Pro is the fifth event of the year. You've got two in Hawaii, Portugal, Bells, and then Margaret's. What the surfers want is to actually do six events. So the cut will be at the sixth event. Oh. So they're looking at ideas here and it'll be interesting. So you mentioned, you know, the Eli was here. There's some major things happening in WSL. So they're looking at potentially having six events, then the cut. So that'll be interesting to know if marks will remain the cut. The, the he- what I'm hearing is what the surfers want is a high performance wave. So they've got obviously reef breaks with Bells, Margaret's mm. and the two Hawaiian events. But what they're looking at, and obviously Portugal is a heavy, heavy beach break, but they are looking at a high performance wave. So it'd be interesting to know. This is, I believe, this is the last year of trestles being the finals. So whether a wave like a trestles could come in as as one of those events if the surf's good that time of year, and then obviously they change the location of the finals. Also on the finals, guys, that's Super moved, pipeline. Yeah, that's moved by a day. So they've changed the. I don't know what's happened there, but they've. The waiting period for the finals in September is moved by a day. But yeah, just to answer your question, mate, I think that the, they really want to take advantage of a swell if they get one, that the fact they can get through an event in three days with this yeah. cut and obviously the excitement it brings, yeah. Yeah, uh, hey, I've got a, a further question on that, but go, Adzi. <laughs> just a quick one. Wasn't there a deal inked last year with, I assume, the WA government or whoever is is backing the Margaret River Pro that, it they had to be the cut competition. Do you, do you know about that? that yeah, they're yeah. like, oh, we continue it on the proviso. We're signing a three or five year deal that yeah, we are the yeah. cut comp. That, yeah. I know, I know no, that happened. Right. I just don't know up. how many years it was. You're right. Yeah, no, I don't know. I'm exactly the same view, Adzi. I don't know if that was just this year and last year or, or how long that that goes to fruition. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought it was three years. Yeah, so I think we've had this is a second. second so potentially year, we've yeah. got one more year. So yeah, I know they're talking about that. They're also another thing big on we're talking about the 
WSL, another massive thing, make or break, which you guys would have seen pretty, you know, I thought the second series pretty awesome. Right. Yeah. They are, so they're in negotiations with that. So it's a really interesting situation because there was not like this time last year, there's like 16 of them walking around with from that company. They're walking around with cameras, basically filming everything. They had GoPros in the judging tower. The head judges were mic'd up. All this kind of stuff was happening last year. And then this year, there was none of that. What I heard was they were there at Pipe. So they did the very first event of the year and then they stopped. So they didn't even do Sunset, the following event, and it hasn't happened. So they're kind of in negotiations about where they go with that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, I don't know if you guys saw it, but I thought the second series was phenomenal, especially that very first episode, which is basically all on Kelly winning pipe. Yeah, yeah. As good as it gets. And I know you mentioned it before, Namu, with Bells, there was a huge, unbelievably close and tight heat between Italo Ferreira and Jack Robinson. And it came down to the very last wave in the exchange. And it went in Jack's favor and showed the inside of that whole scenario. And you could see that whole, it was really cool. And you could see the whole sequence from Italo coming up the stairs, his manager saying, yep, you've got it to him not getting the score. And then all of a sudden he's going, all right, and actually charged the judging tower. So you can see how intense it is. And that kind of, yeah, it's a good little sequence. Yeah. Yeah. That that gave a lot of insight to the surface. And I said before, you know, the first series where it, it humanized Gabriel Medina as well, a bit more in, you see how he's actually quite shy outside of the competitive arena and uh, he had a few things to work through in his in his life and kind of made it made me like him more <laughs> than what I did previously and not so much of a villain and uh, yeah it was great to see what Toledo did and what Tyler Wright and yeah that was a really good series I think people need to see more of that stuff because it makes the sport more appealing and it, and it personalizes the surfers because we get that experience to some extent but uh, you know, the general public, they only see them in that real intense competitive scenario quite often. And then you realize that they're dealing with a lot of stuff, these crew. Mm. You know, and I, I got privy to some of that, which was really nice and, uh, and great to hear. And, and I got a lot of insight for, when, for further work stuff that I'm going to do with surfers because they are individual athletes at the end of the day. There's a lot of psychology that goes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah hey, a lot of pressure. Hey, Mick, just listening to you, to your comments about the the sixth event to be a high performance wave, I sort of feel like Margaret's is a great cut wave because it's man and or woman versus ocean. It's yeah. it, you know power to the best you know athlete to 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 conquer the wild west, and I just think it's the perfect cut. Yeah. Cut, cut location, if you ask me. 100%. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm thinking high performance, go to Crummers and everyone's sipping Bintangs and having a good time where we could be have 20-foot onshore Margaret River or 8-foot dredging box where you really test the, uh, the inner core of the men and women of the WSL. So Yeah, no, you're 100% right, mate. It's, it's such a – I mean, everyone that's surfed Margaret River, you know, it's an extremely challenging wave to surf and – that, that end section they're all smashing on the right is just terrifying. You know, you, not only is it an unbelievably powerful wave, you're going, you're basically dry docking and these guys need to hit that section to make it. And you saw on the final day, you know, they the, were down to quarterfinals. So you had the eight remaining male surfers. The yeah. only guy that really kind of convincingly took it from every single heat was Gabriel Medina. You know, mm. he was unbelievable. And obviously Griffin Colapinto had an incredible heat to actually combo, combo John John, which I never, ever thought would happen at Margaret River. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, get combo. Yeah, but um, you're right. It's an extremely challenging wave. So fingers crossed something like a hypothetically a Karamas came in between Bells to here or something like that. Or after Portugal, they do Karamas. Mm. Yeah. Then obviously it makes sense to be in Australia to do Bells. And then, yeah, but obviously being a West Australian surf fans you know i hope it, the cut remains here because it's incredible but 
just one quick thing on it. I think it really comes down to sponsorship and yeah. like the uh, pro- probably not a lot of people probably are aware of this. But to my knowledge and what I've been told is Mark River Pro is the only event that the WSL don't have to actually put money in towards. So the WA government puts about two and a half million dollars into that. Yeah. Bells for, Bells, for example, I think is the next one, $1.8 million, what the Victorian company. Yeah. This event next week that starts as a challenger series for the Gold Coast, their government puts in $700,000. So it gives wow. you an idea of, of the money involved. And yeah, so it, you know, basically, hopefully some you know, great like a bar, Indonesian government goes to the WSL and say, we want an event and we can get something like yeah, that or a G-Land. Or, it's yeah, a money issue some, over there. You know what, um, sure. Lakey Peak or some high profile... You know, that'd be incredible, mm. something like that. Do you know what Mark Lane said to me, the CEO of Surfing WA, who you know well? I had a couple of really good chats with him and that whole development of the car park at Surfers Point there, something like $12 million they pumped into that and they designed it specifically so they could hold the pro and set up the pro properly. Mm. And then some of the money was, was donated to further things down into into some of the other beaches for Mark's. And uh, so it, it made me understand way more in depth how much the government's utilise or put into keeping the pro organised and, and set up so it's a professional event. And the surfers were saying it's one of the best run events and some of the best facilities that they have yeah, on Yeah, credit to Justin Magix and the Surfing WA Justin team, obviously well. Laney. Yeah. They did an incredible job. T-Bone. Hey, just a question, Mickey. The Apple Watches, were they utilised at the pro? And if they were, mate, did you... How do they actually work? Is it is it connected to the judges' tower, mate? The uh, yeah, the technology for it. Yeah, to my knowledge, T Bone, it it basically tells the surfers priority and scores. So basically, if they're at somewhere like Margaret River, it's a really good point actually. If they're at Margaret River, you're so far out and you can't hear scores. My understanding is that's what they need to see. You can't see the pro- the priority either, mate. If, yeah. you're like, if you got my vision, yeah, and I I think they actually this at this event. I don't know if it's because of the distance from. Uh, from where obviously it was set up on the land, they actually had a lot of issues. So we were watching at the start of heat, you'd actually see surfers with one arm up and that they were actually moving their hand and we were going, oh, do they want to score? Do they want a time check? What's going on? And then we kind of, when we zoomed in on the camera, you realize they're trying to get their, their watch going. <laughs> watch so they must have had issues and I'm thinking it might be potentially a distance thing yeah. just because Mark's breaks so far out. And uh, we really had to utilize jet skis like i know some of the guys around jet skis were actually relaying priority to the surface because oh, when they're they? looking up obviously with the sun rising right. when they look at the look at land they're just staring oh, into the sunset yeah. so they can't see what color yep. was coming through priority just just on priority too guys one thing that was really interesting to obviously be in the judging tower the priority judge ratso when he was there he's got a microphone in front of him and in the first day we had two incidents where two surfers would paddle for a wave one would one would miss it and priority would switch and then there'd be a wave behind it and he could actually jump on the microphone and, and just scream out priority change, you know, red, you now have priority and then red could catch the next wave. So white might've had priority previously. They paddle and miss and he could just jump straight on the microphone so they didn't even have to look up to the tower and he could announce over the PA system that there'd been a priority change and then nice. it's just instantly. So that worked really, really well. There were a lot of skis in the event. So uh, yeah, I didn't realize they had a couple other duties on the side. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty incredible, and it's they're a massive team, and that's Perry Hatchett and Ant Man and all these guys. That, yeah, they do such a good job, and uh, yeah, they're absolutely yeah awesome. the crew. Lucky to have them. Yeah. When on the Wednesday night before the first day of competition, they had a big staff meeting, and they introduced everybody, and I was pretty new along with the other physio and a couple of doctors, and but people like Tim Thirsk, who's been doing it for like thirty years, and Justin's been doing it for ages. He he spoke really well. 
and worked really hard. And there was a whole lot of other crew that had been there for a long time. Perry Hatchett, he had a lot to say. And I just listened in and was trying to absorb a lot of it. But they went around. There was this head guy for the WSL head of safety, this guy, Byrne. And he was really well-spoken and really calm and relaxed. And I saw him without his jacket off at one stage. And I think he's ex-military from South Africa. Did you say head of safety? Is that, is that the, a new uh, a head of security new job and, um, pathway for but, old T-Bone here? It could be. Well, he, he looked like he could choke you out with his little finger, that guy. So you might challenge him. But he was mate. really cool, calm, and collected. And they... They made it really clear how the the whole event was going to operate, and the the jet ski guys had a heck of a job. And they had fisheries there. They had so many different components, and I was kind of, you know, quite impressed with how how many how many different categories there were to, to actually run the event. I don't think people realise. I certainly didn't realise. Yeah, you know, so it was cool. Mate, I think you mentioned that guy at a, a rehab session I was doing with you. Yeah, I did. And I saw him and I was like, that yeah. has to be the guy Trev yeah. was talking about. He was an absolute weapon, eh? Hey? Yeah, he was He was really cool and he was so calm and you could see him doing recce's around the event. He was just, he was always in, in hey, like different positions the whole time and he was like he was protecting the surfers and you know, they even had a big spiel about lost children, you know, and things like that. So... They I were lost, so I lost mine. Did you? On I've, purpose? I haven't or? seen him since the event. Is that why you're so relaxed at the moment? <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, think, they, would, they were big them. on the on the jet ski stuff. I think they had about five or six jet skis. And the guys were saying they always had, because like, I was on privy to these like five different WhatsApp groups, and the safety guys, I mean, they had to launch in the dark and there was weed and shit all in the, in the you know, boat ramps and, and they were dealing with a lot. You know, they had to keep an eye out. And they were trying to be really specific about what sharks they would see and what their shark protocol was because Perry Hatcher was saying, mate, see sharks all the time. I need to know what size, what type. You need to give me specifics and uh, as to whether or not they're going to call the heat off or the event off. So that, I was like listening to all that, just absorbing all this info. And it was interesting. It was cool. Well, just on that, Mickey, is it, was there any sort of shark spotter that they sort of thought, well, we need to maybe have a look at this during no, the event? Uh, yeah, yeah. So when the, when the event's on, there's actually two – well, there's a team of three people from fisheries actually in the judging tower and they're basically looking at a screen which is watching what the the drones are seeing and they actually had no shark activity at all this year, last year. Which is why Gabby won because he, yeah. he, he was just relaxed, relaxed, <laughs> relaxed about it all. It was crazy because last year in literally the very first heat, I remember Bronte was in it on the first day, straight away we had a situation and thankfully the, the shark was traveling away. It wasn't coming towards the surface or anything like that, but you're going, geez, first heat of the event. And yeah, but this year they actually had no no issues or sightings or anything like mm. that. So it was a really safe and well done event. And Trev, you're talking about the the jet ski guy. So I believe yeah, they were highly professional. They knew what they were doing big time. They're really experienced. You could tell. Yeah. yeah. So there's like seven of them, and they've all obviously got different things that they do. So obviously one looks after the whoever's going out there from the WSL for commentary. But they also, on top of that, they've got Billy Hagen, who we, I know you guys have had in here, absolute legend of. West Australian surfing. He smiling Billy. He actually works with the jet ski guys, so he he's basically an eye for them from land. So he can communicate with them. He's on a walkie-talkie. So not only are they in the water, he's also helping out with them. He gets their lunches and assists with all that kind of stuff. And he's like an extra eye for them. So that's his full-time role. Yeah, yeah that's good. And I think you got to realise they were talking about in the case of an emergency with a surfer being heavily injured in the water, where's the best evacuation spot for them on the beach? Because because as we all know, the coast changes year to year, depending on storms and conditions and all these different things. And so there's different sand movements and 
and areas where they can get the jet skis in and actually get the surfers in safely, get the athletes in safe, safely. So they were talking about those scenarios and it just goes to show it's so different to any other playing field with other sports. Like we're dealing with a, you know, the natural environment and we've got they, they were all over that. And got, I was, be, got to I was have a good safety cool. management plan there, Trev. Mate, yeah. I reckon you'd be in there, you'd have your money goat weed in your pocket and you'd be ready <laughs> ready to organise the OHS. You'd right. have a good plan, yeah. He does have it. He does have <laughs> a new job, a master's degree. Coming, so. He's got a master's degree and stuff, your stuff, so yeah. The problem is if T Bone took over safety management and applied the same things that they do up north, they'd need to put an extra two days on the waiting period for all the JSAs <laughs> and take fives and fucking no, two, da- two days. We all need to have a it, meeting. The mate, industry's revolving. We're, we're, we're revolving, mate. We're actually coming more closer to what you do, mate. Oh, yeah. Bullshit. But, <laughs> mate, let's, hey, let's, can uh, I throw it to Mickey? Yeah. Because I just feel like Mickey's got a hell of a lot of notes. Is there anything that you really want to bring up? Mickey Plough, is, because I know you put a lot of work into these Margaret River Pro Eps. Is there anything that's just burning away that you, that you want to bring to the surface? All uh, right, just after that, we are going to take a, a little break, a little okay. wee break, because I think, you know, I can't be the only one that needs to go to the toilet all the time. <laughs> <laughs> go, uh, Mickey. No, it's just it's an awesome thing, lift. obviously, to be part of. One of the really interesting things, I guess, from one of the notes I had was the communication the head judge would have at the start of each and every day just reminding the judges what they had to do throughout that day and just basically to have no emotion towards that day like because they knew they were cutting people and it was going to affect people's careers and basically said to the judge it was almost like a pre-football speech you know a coach talking to the players that it's like one of t-bones take fives on the, on the uh, mines he basically just said look guys there's no there's no pressure on us it, our job stays the same we're all about trying to get the boss best possible results we can for the surfers and get the right results at the end of the day the surfers have to perform the pressure's on the surfers remain on tour and it's not on us so basically that was really interesting to see it go down probably one of the biggest talking points i guess at the end of the day they'd always have chats about heats and scores and all that one of the biggest things that they kind of communicated and talked about was, I know it's been in the social media forum and all that kind of stuff, was a couple of Gabriel, sorry, uh, Italo Ferreira's heirs. Oh, yeah. And and just the general feeling concept is they could have potentially gone a little bit higher with those scores. Yeah, so that obviously, I don't know if you guys saw that one in particular, one he did on his backhand, which is freaking phenomenal. 10. And uh, yeah, yes, yeah, so that no, they had. Agree. No, fucking they had mate, that was ridiculous. That I don't thing. give a fuck. I don't ever want to see. He drove like 15 feet in the air, full I rotation. Care. I 10. don't want to ever see a 10 for one air. I don't care how big or good it is. I just don't. I and just don't. Um, if it's Jack. Except for if it's Jack. Yeah. yeah Fair just, call, Timo. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess everyone wants to know uh, paddle battles and, yeah. and, and intense heats and all that. Oh, how that was that shit. paddle battle and between. Without doubt, yeah, Jao, Shianka, and, and Gabby? Gabriel Medina that was, was unbelievable. Insane, so it? that they literally, yeah, they had the camera on them the whole time and they were literally just, just smacking arms right next they? to each other. Um, was, no one wanted to give an inch. Yeah. And, that, and then there was one stage where uh, Gabriel, you could see his arm kind of come up and he clenched a fist. And, Ooh. <laughs> what's going on here? And then. Uh, I don't know how it happened, but they ended up just paddling each other around. They ended up being around like surgeon's table area, which really? is right inside. And you were talking about an eight to ten foot Margaret stay, and somehow they didn't get cleaned up. I don't know how yeah. that didn't happen. But that's um, a long way from the peak. That was, I was really, like, I, was, like I think I was saying 60, to you, 70 meters away. That's so far inside. Yeah. They're going to get cleaned up here. I was too busy trying to score another free bacon and egg burger. <laughs> I mean, I was watching it from the VIP, but a salmon. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a couple of interesting things. And just the other thing I had, guys, that's the first time Gabriel's won here at Margaret's and he's obviously had a bit of a love-hate relationship with Western Australia. I think it was his... A hate-hate outside of uh, Rotnest. Yeah, well, and Rotnest was his previous win that he'd had. So he's had the last, you know, his, his last two 
championship tour wins have been here and obviously won the world title. But yeah, that was the main point. So I guess the, the other one that I've writ- written here in my notes, and it's probably a question for Trev, was just how incredible the athletes are. I don't know if they showed it much in the broadcast, but we're talking saunas, cold and hot plunges, Fuck exercise like equipment. The athlete zone, yeah. And I was going to ask, yeah, yeah. ask yeah. Trev, because Trev, you've oh, literally geez. worked with every professional sport there is, netball, hockey, you oh, name not it. Not all of them, just, there's been um, a few. But yeah, I was just going to see how that, that compared... Yeah. How that compared to sports you've you've worked with? Because it was phenomenal to, yeah. to see. Yeah, that's that's a really good question, Mick. I mean, there's been some places I've been to went around the country where, like in Sydney, we're in an Olympic Park, and you know you've got the all the residual facilities from the Olympics, and, and that was in 2008. I was there, and that was only eight years after the Olympics. And so the swimming pool, the gymnasium we had, the the tracks we got to use for warm up stuff was unbelievable. Melbourne's also got unbelievable facilities but i think as an individual event and and like a and it's you know a setup and then pull down event it, like it was great it was i mean the plumbing was unbelievable you'd be happy with that dad's <laughs> sorry shout out to simon norton oh. from plumwell plumbing and gas good on your norts yeah, another <laughs> shout out for norts and uh, the the catering was unreal. Someone did you introduce me to the catering guy? Or well, someone did, yeah, but it's not yeah. Adam or something. I saw Mickey Plowman. Every time I saw him, he was running around with. <laughs> he was just had armfuls of food and drink and running around with a big smile on his face. He's he's a hungry man, Mickey. Those muscles don't come for free. <laughs> he was in his element. He was doing squats while he was munching down an apple. <laughs> but uh, the athlete zone. The, I was when I first got there for the accreditation. It was two days before the event on the Tuesday. It was huge. You know how they say, oh, Margs is in a high-performance wave? All you could see was just buckets like all day. And then on Wednesday, I was there all day. They wanted me there to, uh, to work on surfers like pre-event. So cause some of them had things that were carrying from, yeah, day before from Bells and other events. And I didn't really do much at all. I was just eating a lot of food and doing a lot of safety stuff and preparing equipment and things. And all you could see the guys surfing all day is about eight foot i think there was about 20 snap boards all on a pile or nine and, and bronte even said she took out a i think a she said it was only five eleven. i think it was like eight to ten foot and she snapped brand new boy she snapped it before she rode a wave i think so there's quite a lot of them that, that broke boards and they were surfing and i think italo and carissa were out there for hours the day before the event started because it was pumping and like i i it, it's not, and we went upstairs in the VIP, and the doctor and I were working on our computers up there watching while we were sort of waiting for the guys to come and utilize us if they needed. And uh, all you could see was buckets and just massive turns and big, big drops. And they weren't scared, and they would look like, you know, specks amongst all the white water. You know what Mars is like? It was huge. Yeah. And they, and they came, even Molly Picklam came in and said, bloody hell, Mother Nature's doing its thing out there. And like I said before, surfers are brave. But these guys are in, they're not only just like gymnasts in the water, they're, they're endurance athletes at the same time. Like, I think people need to understand that wholeheartedly. Hey, yeah, that's that's an incredible point. It's yeah, too true. They they really are athletes. They do it's like when you you know you watch cricketers and footy players and stuff, they do things on a completely different level to the normal person. Yeah, and seeing them at Margaret River this year really brought that home for me because they. They know that they read the ocean so well. They're so fit. They, yeah, their strategy is incredible. Just the whole package with the professional services on just a completely different level to what we'd probably even realise. And you know how we watch all the time? We're frothing out to watch the heats, and you don't actually realise how much surfing they're doing prior. 
and how much training and how much preparation and dialing into that particular break. They wanted to get their warm-up surfing in the morning. So they're out there and it's freezing ass cold at six in the morning, still dark, trying to get a scratch into a couple of waves just to get their feet in the wax and feel good. And in the athlete zone, like you said, Mickey, there was a really good setup. There was bands, there was the black rolls stuff, a few kettlebell type things, fitball, a couple of bikes. There was a like, pretty good ice bath setup and then it was like pretty state-of-the-art barreled type sauna <laughs> okay do you like that one <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of, i'm getting, I'm getting a handle on this gig a little bit second time around but uh, yeah they they and that was very clearly stated and identified as the athlete zone we were only allowed to go in there as even as a for a rehab medical reason when the athlete needed it so we respected that and then they had a section where they could all hang out like a bar I could imagine Azzy sitting behind that very easily. And they had all like chairs and like everything that they'd set up and so they could just watch and some of their family members and entourage could hang in there. And they had these wetsuit warmers, coat hangers, with like it looked like the base of a, you know, a jet, a fighter jet plane that would just Do you trademark that Adzi? Blow heat through the you should get one of those, mate. You'd love it. They blow heat through the wind. I'd just like to say that about ten years ago, absolute barreled fog podcast legend jason chasen bearsley bromley he, he came up with that idea being a, a fellow plumber of hooking up a making up a coat hanger for a wetsuit out of pvc pipe and hooking up to a hairdryer so yeah, indeed it's pretty much uh, what he's running it's basically similar to that and i, I looked at that and went Whoa, you know that would be a, a southwest device that you would would definitely utilize yeah there it is you know i've got a wetsuit warming drying box i've yeah. been re- you've, i've showed you that haven't i yeah, you, yeah. yeah. i think it's not, you the, only, it yourself, not yeah. the only thing he drives in there just quietly all right so we are, are going to wrap up this section of the podcast gentlemen thank you so much for joining us for a bit of a market river wrap a very very rare insight into the world of wazzle so thank you boys we obviously know you guys well and uh, thank you very much for sharing can should I, I mean we were very specific in our areas of breakdown of the margaret river pro being judging and physio should we all just give one real quick highlight or low light from the comp let's just do highlights we'll go okay. on we'll go by vaughn deadly's no negative thoughts yeah yeah t-bone you highlight Highlights, highlights, highlights. If you're not ready, Adzi, what have you got? Keep uh, short because we've got to move on. Bronte McCauley making the semis. You. Sick. Trev. I'll back that up 100% and I'll say that she did it recovering from injury as well and in competition injury. So, trooper. How's she looking for the challenger? She's obviously about to surf snapper tomorrow. Is her knee okay? She flew over to the Gold Coast on Tuesday. I sent her a text message the night before. She was looking. I just left, let her download after the comp. I didn't communicate with her too much. She's in the hands of the Surfing Australia physio. And I did see some updated notes on that. And I think it's looking pretty good. It's only a low-grade uh, sprain on the MCL. So so she's safe. It was just a little bit of you know pain around it and, and functional stuff that she needed to get to. But she could surf, yeah. And I think it, I'm like... I don't know 100%, but I'm pretty I'm pretty confident she'll be good. Like yeah. She's a snapper good too. Nice one. Yeah. T-Bone, you got I something? I do, I do. 1978 world champ, Bugs. Yeah, he had yeah, a little brain. Yeah, yeah, Bugsy, Bugsy, man, yeah. Bugsy gave him an eight-pack of Cheeky Monkeys Finest and a Barrel Surf Podcast t-shirt. So. T-Bone had stars in his eyes. Oh, oh, I tell what you. What a little Love brain. Love you, old boys. Hey? 
Love the old boys. Yeah. <laughs> Good call. Mickey Plowman, you were right in the thick of it. What was your highlight of the event? Yeah, obviously, I, I love love the event. It was awesome. Obviously, the performances by the surfers was phenomenal. Obviously, you know, we all know how challenging that wave is. And those guys will surf a six foot, you know, heavy wave looking like, make it look like a two foot peachy. So, definitely, some of the performance was absolutely incredible. And also, the. The whole atmosphere of the event was incredible. Like all the surfers, full credit to them. Like guys like Kelly Slater, you know, he lost his heat. He got cut at that particular time, but he hung around and took photos with every single person that was waiting. And you saw all the surfers do that. So it was a fantastic event. Yeah, the whole thing was awesome. Yeah, I loved so it. Right. Yeah, I, I've, I, my highlight was I've got two highlights actually. So I just thought the infrastructure around the event was fucking unbelievable. It was, you know, you go to Optus Stadium, watch the footy, and I just thought that, you know. That professionalism of the setup was just next level. So well done to Surfing WA for that. And my my highlight in the water, I I, I just thought that Gabriel Medina's performance was just amazing. He is, I think, we'll look back at this backhand performance from Gabriel Medina and go, "Fuck, he really was," you know, yeah. almost on a John John scale and on his John John's forehand, obviously. <laughs> Oh, bullshit. Fuck. Yeah, you guys. He's tamming it up over there. <laughs> fucking hell. But took it a bit nah. far there, mate. Fuck, he did, didn't he? Yeah, fucking OT. <laughs> Watch mate. the seven. Glad you're with me. Watch the seven come back. Oh, I watched it, mate. I watched and, it. And, and before we do wrap this section of the podcast up, we'd like to thank WSL for giving Barrel Surf Podcast access for the yeah, first time ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, much appreciated. That was very much appreciated, mate. Are we going to do Steve or anything like that? Or what are we. Not at this stage, because we've got to move on to the next segment. And okay, we well, are going to press before pause. Before we move on to that then i just wanted to share, i know you guys talked about it before but it was a steve that the wa government mate everyone likes to fucking jump up and down about politicians and governments and all this fucking bullshit but like you guys were talking about earlier mate it's the best fucking comp they, it's the one comp of the year they don't have to chuck in money the wa government yeah, Mark McGowan. Absolutely laying it on from Rocco, to mate. get the yeah best surfers in the world <laughs> looking after them they just put on such a Epic event, like you just said, with the infrastructure and all that, it, mate. It's fucking good on the WA government, yeah, for and sure. also good on. I'd like to nominate Riley McKay from Forrester Estate Wines. Fuck yeah, Riley! Yeah, for fucking yeah, sponsoring the Margaret River Pro, giving his his wine out there to everyone, and giving me and T Bone and Namu some VIP passes to swan around up there and just how many coconut waters with ginseng did we put away that morning? Quite a few. A fair few with bacon and egg rolls. So good on you, Riley McKay and Forrester Estate. Good on you, Mickey. Go. Sorry, guys. I just had one thing we haven't mentioned through the podcast that we probably should is just obviously we talked about Bronte. She had to win the trials to actually go to the, the semi. So that's an unbelievable effort from her. And I just wanted to mention, obviously, well done to obviously Jacob Wilcox got a final a wild card into the event, but also Jerem Forrest, who's been trying for a long time to win like the trials, you. did like it. You. Yeah, he, he, full credit to him. He he got through that and won the trials. And obviously, Jack Thomas got a position yep. in the play. And yep. full credit to them. They all, you know, obviously this the standard of surfing is so incredibly high, and they all surfed extremely well. Obviously, they're just against the world's best. So full credit to the WA surfers. I thought. <laughs> yeah, they yeah, certainly didn't acknowledge them. Certainly didn't look out of place, did they? Okay, Trev. That's well said, Mickey. I just have to quickly say Jack Thomas came back in after the event and did some training with me before he headed over. East, he's not competing on the Challenger or anything like that or other events. He probably hasn't qualified for Challenger and all that sort of thing. But he he was doing some training with me. He's gotten over an MCL from last year that was quite hectic from serving his main like beach break that he loves. And it just goes to show he's committed. And I thought he held his own in that heat against Slater. He was only one and a half points out of... Yeah, um, scores you know, are good. 
losing the heat. So, yeah, I hats off to him. He's a really, really good kid. Terrific young bloke too. We had a chat with him and it was on Triple M. So, good on you, Jackie Thomas, and also Jerome Forrest and obviously Chippo. And we will be back shortly. Shortly. 